Oh God, it burns. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special Oh God, it burns. Uh, you are not going to hear Bruno's voice on this one. You're actually going to hear uh, the voice of another friend of mine. This is uh, my buddy Jason. Jason, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with some really neat intro, and that's what I got. <laughs> well, hi, everybody. I'm Snagglepuss. He's got we the were deal. talking about Snagglepuss a minute ago. <laughs> oh, heaven's some Murgatroyd. <laughs> oh, exit stage left, even. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of appropriate, because that's one of the things that Didio did right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we're yeah. going to get to it. So this is going to be like a special emergency podcast. Like, There's no emergency, really. Like, right, right, right. I'm sure everyone oh, at DC's kind of yeah. I'm sure everyone at DC is either uh, uh, messing themselves, or they are celebrating, or playing on Twitter, or playing on Twitter yeah. and just Rob Liefelding it up, or Gail Simoning it up, where you take a middle road. Yeah, you kind of go. Eh, I didn't like him, but he was okay. Yeah. <laughs> or you were like everyone else who's working at DC, going like, "Is Ethan Van Skyver right? Are they going to shut down <laughs> DC Comics forever?" Right. Uh, right. Newsflash: Ethan Van Skyver. Not the most trustworthy person. Well, he's got that whole gate of comics. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> seems like he'd know what he was talking about. You know. Yeah. As long as you're white and Good artist. straight. And, you know. Kind of a Nazi. <laughs> I mean, you know. I'll say it. Straight. I'll say it, Dan. I'm putting it out there. With a name like Van Schaefer. Uh, yeah, you'd think. I draw razor blades really well. All right, so we're going to get into this. Dan DiDio just left DC Comics. And, uh... Yay! Oh, sorry. Spoiler. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to save our commentary for later. <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence about it, but at the same time, it's like... I don't know. What, where can I get into it a little bit? So, Dan DiDio came to the company uh, after doing, like, the series reboot. Um, he worked in animation for a while. Came over in 2002. Worked on Superboy. Was a group editor. Then he was bumped up to senior vice uh, president. And then... he did such a great job. That was a killer title. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? No. I don't know. <laughs> Not a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that is failing. He was probably up, better at friend. talking because that's that's pretty much what Dan DiDio does. Is he yes, talks. He's very yes. enthusiastic when he mm-hmm, talks, mm-hmm. which is something that I really appreciate about him. And then after Infinite Crisis, he was bumped up to uh, co-publisher along with Jim Lee back in 2010. And in 2011, he did everyone's favorite moving comics. And he rebooted the entire 52. goddamn universe to the new 52. And everything was lost forever. And basically, my DC uh, pool list became that much later after all the creative changes and stuff. It was a weird experiment for people that weren't around at the time or weren't buying. It was everything you knew had gone sideways six months before because yeah. they knew they were doing it they weren't announcing it yet so they let everybody go nuts on whatever title they wanted to do because it didn't matter yeah unless it was green lantern or possibly batman yeah which yeah. dick grayson notwithstanding tim yeah. drake notwithstanding mm. everything else was stayed the same yeah but we also yeah. covered this a little bit too because we just covered superman grounded um, yes. Yeah. Did you listen to that? I, I heard. All right. Cool. Good, so you're good. on. You're on the right track. Oh yeah. When yeah. J. Michael Straczynski was wooed over by uh, Dan DiDio at DC Comics, right, and he came yeah. on, he's just like, "Yeah, man, you just do." It's like, "What do you want to do?" It was like, "Well, he's been in space so long. You reconnect. He's gonna walk across the country." And he's like, "Cool. Yeah. You do it." And then 
months later, he gets wind that everything he's doing is just going to be nothing. So J. Michael Straczynski does what JMS does, and he just got up and left. Yeah. Because he's, he's not afraid to do that stuff. He's no, got good name. for him. He's, he's got Babylon 5 money. Uh, right? I mean... He's out of there. <laughs> Jeremiah? Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, okay, it's funny you mentioned that. I watched that for the first time last summer. I got through three seasons before I tapped out. So mm-hmm. one day I'm going to have to go back and You finish. made it through three seasons. Then. I made it through three. I may have seasons. started the fourth. That mm-hmm. may have been what did me in. All right. CGI is amazing. <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, for the time. Like early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, you know, for what's there. Okay. You gotta I'm going to check into it, it then. That's a Showtime or HBO? Oh, I got it on, gosh, where was it? I believe it was Showtime. Or something. I'll find out. Oh, we've got Showtime. We'll, we'll edit it in here. Angles. Yeah, okay, no. Uh, that's not a thing. Okay, never mind. We don't do that. I don't edit. <laughs> no, Jason, sure. if you talk as much as I do, you fill up enough space right, right. that you don't have to edit out. You don't have to, yeah. All right, all right. It's showtime. Just fucking deal with it. Yeah. If right. it's wrong, Google it. Yeah. Uh, I don't work for you. <laughs> so, back to Dan DeDio. Yes, okay. Um... So, to kind of celebrate his tenure at DC Comics, uh, what we've decided to do is, uh, along with our commentary, what we've decided is back in, I think, at the just after New 52 went, back in 2012, after mm-hmm. 10 years with the company, he published this column where he went over his 10 greatest achievements Right, right. While, during his tenure at DC. So, we're going to kind of run down that list and give our commentary on them. Some of them very surprising on there, especially knowing what we know in the year 2020. Oh, you did a Conan reference. Oh, I That's did. beautiful. I did. That's beautiful. It happens. So, here we go. We're going to go back, and this is Dan DiDio's 10 Greatest Accomplishments at DC as told by Dan DiDio. The first one was Batman, number 608, or the start of the Hush storyline. Shh. That falls over the crowd. Shh. Okay. Okay. Jason Todd's real. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what he says on here. Work on this incredible run by Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb was started before I joined DC Comics, but came out my first year there. Success of this series, putting a superstar team on the ongoing title instead of the miniseries. Thanks, Jim showed that the periodical series mm. still mattered now more than ever on a personal side it was important to me because this run was so successful that it allowed us to experiment both good and bad on the rest of the line while we were beginning while we began chartering the course for the DC universe the cover stated it begins here and in my opinion it really does so didio did not work on this but this was kind of like the start of his editorial philosophy and everything yeah it's an interesting run. Like I think I enjoyed it a lot when it was coming out, but it's also, as much as he's championing it as you know, monthly comics still count. It's the beginning of no, we are one hundred percent writing for trade editions from yeah. this point on. Up until then, it had been happening, but at this point, it's like no, everything monthly comics are gonna die. It has to be in a trade, which we see that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, according to Rob Liefeld or. Or no, who was it? It's Ethan. Ethan? Okay, yeah, Ethan Earl Ben Shiver. Shiver. Uh, you know, our Nazi friend. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, maybe he's right about this, though. He, you know, seems like maybe he knows something that they're talking about shutting down monthly comics. And this is something that he was talking about way back. When did he write this? Ten years ago? That this he was, was uh, 2012 so he wrote happy. this, after ten years with the company. Yeah. But uh, I, I did kind of like this 
one, even though we didn't work on it, it was kind of his philosophy where he said that we didn't put these guys on a separate Batman miniseries. Yeah. We folded him straight into the main title. And okay, that it kind of right. was like the beginning of a series of just like, let's put superstar artists on oh, something yeah. for a yeah. short period. Like, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and line someone up, pop them in there, and mm-hmm. just see what happens. So Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, this really could have been a huge, well-selling, standalone 12 issue. But oh, absolutely. At 608. You put a superstar team on there and you can see the sales jump through the window yeah. at a time where it's like post-bankruptcy and like post-comics crash. Mm-hmm. This probably was a big sales revelation. Oh, huge. Them. I was working at a comic book shop when this came out and it sold, you know, mostly we sold out every issue. Yeah. There was probably the occasional mm-hmm. issue that we overstocked. But yeah, everyone was buying this. People who didn't read DC wanted to read this. People that didn't care about Batman wanted to read this because of Jim Lee mm-hmm. you know so it did its job it brought people to the regular title and then they followed it up with uh, Brian Azzarello I believe Eduardo Risso oh Brian yeah Brian Azzarello the 100 Bullets team oh came yeah yeah Brian Azzarello Eduardo Risso did uh, Broken City um, yeah which is really that. good but kind of puzzling because it was <laughs> And I've talked about this before. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Hush and uh, Broken City, there were like contradictory characterizations and Shh, no, there's not versions of them. Uh, no, no. What you mean? Killer Croc did not look like Doc Connors <laughs> in the Hush. Oh my god! And then looked like a thug <laughs> with a bad skin condition. <laughs> Broken oh. City. Oh. And then they followed up with Judd Winnick, which was awesome. Like, one of my favorite runs on oh. Batman. So it's oh. like the start of the superstar, like, let's pump some superstars in there, get what we can from them. Right. And yeah. I guess to almost like a neg- negative aspect, too, is just like you start focusing on the new and not so much on, like, long-form storytelling. So it's, like, more like the maxi-seriesization of all the stories that are happening. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it while the single issues are important, it becomes more and more about this arc and this arc yeah. and this arc. So, mm. And then when the arcs start coming together to form bigger mega arcs, yeah. then that's like where everything starts coming up. And sometimes it gets a little messy when you do that. So. Yeah. And let's go ahead and do the start Speaking of, of messy. Messy. <laughs> you want to go ahead and say this one? Wow. All right. Brad Meltzer's big middle finger love letter to the Silver Age <laughs> identity crisis. All right, so in DiDio's own words, Identity Crisis. This is something that we, Bruno and I have talked about doing on Oh God, It Burns. Yeah. Not because it's a bad story. It's no, actually no, really it's good. No, no, it's a beautiful it's story. Beautiful. Great. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually well handled, but the fact that it did not age well at all. No. But let's go no. ahead and hear what DiDio has to say. No, please. Now, I've never been able to shy away from controversy, although I do think I've mellowed out a bit. And this was the first real controversial project of my time. This miniseries, brilliantly written by Brad Meltzer and drawn by Rags Morales, created a complex and compelling story that would have been once been considered in Elseworlds and instead placed it in the center of the DCU. It tackled tough issues and pitted hero versus hero and set the tone for things to follow. Personal note for me, it perfectly captured the paranoid and unease of post-9-11 world and put our heroes in touch. Uh, in touch, we what? People with what we people were feeling today. And he's had a stroke, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he doesn't know how to write. (laughs) That's a theme that'll be popping up. (laughs) Which is exactly what I was hoping to inject in the DCU. Now, Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis is... 
it's what you said. It's fun. It holds oh, I up. Don't, I wouldn't well. say it's fun. I think so. I think you think it's, it's fun? fun? I think because I think it, it's a great read. In my mind, it is an Elseworld. So I take out the, you know, okay, these are the characters that I grew up reading. They're in my heart. Okay, not really. Because if I did that, the story would depress me to no end. So I've got to, you know, because I knew who Sue Dibney was to a certain yeah. extent. Not She wasn't my favorite character by any means. But seeing what happens to her and the elongated man at the mm-hmm. first issue is just, you know, gut-wrenching. And then there's punch after punch that comes with Tim's dad dying for no reason other than Robins have to be orphans. Yeah. And, you know, the... I even was a little sad that the original Captain Boomerang died. Although I loved the replacement, so mm. that was fine. I, it that was, was a really a, good replacement. Oh, yeah. God, I loved him. That he had super speed, too, was a brilliant thing. Um, Gene Loring going crazy and turning into the new Eclipso. That was interesting. Yeah, I, I Judd Winnick did some really cool stuff in uh, mm-hmm. the pages of Superman with that yeah. as well. So, but this is, again, uh, just the big turn to the darker side. Like he said, it was the post-9-11 reality and that makes a lot of sense thinking about it because it was a weird time to be doing anything for the years right after 9-11 yeah and it's not like this like dealed with terrorism it was more real emotions it, it yeah this was a very emotional time for us as a country so when you take it and you say okay we're gonna try and put our superheroes in more realistic situations there are two ways you can go mm-hmm. a you can have superman fighting some powder looking motherfucker mm-hmm. over at marvel knights named al Tariq. And uh, well, half him just jumped straight into... Captain America took his mask off and did the same thing. All of a yeah. sudden, he's fighting Muslim terrorists. Yeah, so, so that, that kind of became it, which, like, I would not say that that was, like, the biggest misfire, but it was mishandled well. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. mishandled right. Uh, it wasn't handled properly. Uh, but then we have Identity Crisis, which is just like, okay, so these superheroes, let's try and make them real and grounded. And this is kind of what I, I feel like is the dawn of Dan DiDio's editorial edict that came out which was superheroes cannot lead happy lives which is something he famously said after he put the kibosh on the Batwoman marriage before the New 52 Um, so that that kind of like ruffled a lot of feathers later on but yeah that pisses a lot of people off yeah hell yeah it did like that was such a good run (laughs) right you run Greg Rucka off the book oh god yeah then you ran the art team that he gave (laughs) the chance to like revitalize it so but Going back to this one, Identity Crisis, really, really strong. It dealt with rape. Um, yeah. Like, pretty... And mind rape, you know. Yeah, and mind rape, like, yeah. really well. I think the the biggest drawback is that it became such a staple of these characters. Yeah. That it almost right. redefined them. Like Oh, definitely. Yeah. Zaytana, you could generation. not even do anything with Zaytana. Yeah. Like, without mentioning the mind rape. You couldn't... Yeah. Like, actually, Batman kind of went down his own road. Yeah. This, uh, oh, like, you yeah. mind rape me, <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> I've oh, got satellites I can take out on you. <laughs> I love your Batman voice. By the way. <laughs> Thank you. Have you ever seen? There's a um, series uh, online where some guy found a Punisher action figure, removed its head, and put it. It's a screaming Punisher head, and put it on top of a Batman figure. Really? So it's angry Bruce. And so it's just this drunk looking, snarling Bruce Wayne and he's got, you know, an action figure set up in the Batcave and he's always drinking and just doing terrible things and it's the best. That you sounds know. amazing. Yes. I'm yeah. gonna have to check that out. See that. <laughs> um but oh there was something I was gonna say about it, Indie Crisis and what was it? Nine eleven, something else, something <clears throat> else. 
And we, we just got kind of got off on how, like, yeah. Bruce became super paranoid after this. Zatanna changed. Like, it kind of, like, went with, like, took the characters in a new direction. And I know right, for me, right. before this came out, I was reading Justice League Classified. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was reading Giffen and DeMatteis yeah, and McGuire's run. That was my first it's, exposure yeah. to that. I'm like, man, this is amazing. And it ends on kind of a note where you're like, what? Yeah. What does that mean? And then Gene Lauren gets raped. Yeah. Or Sue Dibney. Was one? Uh, Gene Lauren was the one that killed her, right? Yes, Sue Dibney yeah, was yeah. the one who got raped and yeah. killed. Yeah. So like they took the DeMatteis. Yeah. She burned the body Keith after Giffen, she killed her. <laughs> and then they just like took this thing that was so fun and wahaha. So wholesome. <laughs> very, it was very wholesome. I mean, it had a lot of crude sex jokes in it. Oh, Thank yeah. you, Guy Gardner. Yeah, like, the yeah, best rendition yeah. of him. Bada bing. <laughs> and then they took Clay, the, the Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they took a really, really good, like, Monty Python skit yeah. and then grounded it in the real world. Right. They, just like, they made Whoa. it into a Netflix original. And yeah. It's like, oh, now it's dark. Yeah, it's dark and gritty. <laughs> this is very similar to the way the Justice League was portrayed in... Um, Oh, what is it called? Squadron Supreme, the Mark Grunewald series. Oh, I didn't read that one. Uh, oh, God, you'd love it. But it's, I heard that he loved it so much that like when he Watchmen, died, they cremated better. him and put his ashes in yes, the pages yes, of the tree. Yes, yes, you can actually buy, yeah. You can buy parts of Mark Grunewald if yes. you get a first edition. Oh, man, uh, I would love one day just to... Just rub his ashes yeah, on your face, I mean, gonna, fall asleep I'm in gonna, his ashes. I'm just going <laughs> to snuggle up next to him <laughs> on my pillow and go, thank you, Mark. Because... Mark gave me the greatest gift of all time. Wow, this is a tangent. Cap Wolf. Maybe, Cap Wolf. <laughs> maybe we'll come back to talk about that one day. Hmm. <laughs> no, because we need to do an awesome podcast. Not comics that scare us, but comics that kick ass. No, all these yeah, bad yeah. comics kick ass, man. Yeah, that's true. That's what the whole thing is about. And those are bad about. comics, so. Yeah. yeah. Cap Wolf's one of my favorites. Hey, you got a thing in your heart yeah. for it. So we have Identity Crisis. Took something that was really good and wholesome. Yes. Super funny. Super just like... Three Stooges esque, uh, naked gun, like slapstick yeah. to the max humor, and then grounded it and made it so dirty yeah. that you're like, oh man! Like every time you go back to the Justice League International characters now, you're like, I, I shudder to like I know what happens to you in the future, dude. Like, See, and I think just I just completely just compartmentalized this as something else. This is a different era, so yeah, those old characters are fine and untouched in my life, especially after New Fifty Two came along and nothing matters anymore. Anyway, so yeah, yeah they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. They're fine. <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> so now we go down to number three on his, and he's trying to keep this chronological. Too. Yeah, I so see that. I see it's that. very chronological, yeah. is what he got. Yeah. So number three, Dan DiDio lists Green Lantern Rebirth Oy. as his next big accomplishment. And this is what he says on this one: We have done a lot of relaunches, restarts, and reboots over the last ten years, but this is by first. And arguably our best. Jeff Johns, remember that name, you'll hear it again. And Ethan Van Skyver, mm-hmm. <laughs> our Nazi friend. <laughs> hey, <Herr> Scriver. <laughs> well, remember that name. Found a, way to take everything. <laughs> <laughs> Found a way to take everything that came before and without casting it aside, returned Hal Jordan Greenland to the premier status. Jeff's loves were all things DC shown through every page, and he thought that energy and sense of respectful reinvention to Teen Titans, Hawkman, and so many other books. By the way, great books. Yes, yes. For me, this reminds me of all the fans questioning why he brought Hal back from the dead. As I like to remind people, for the time that Hal was dead, he appeared in more series than when he was alive. Only shows how popular he was. As a character other than Green Lantern. 
Uh, you mean <laughs> Parallax? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or the or the Spectre? I love the Spectre series. It was good. About. I think Damon Tays actually wrote that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, you sit on that. So, um, this was great because a lot of people missed Hal Jordan. Now, admit he was written off with zero F's given. They were just like, no, we got a new guy and we want to do this, so make him go crazy. Yeah. Fine. And I get it. It was probably a slap in the face to all the Hal Jordan fans. I was not one of them. I loved Kyle Rayner. So when they brought back Hal, it was a big middle finger to all the Kyle fans, in my opinion. And later I got over it. I went and started reading this Green Lantern, you know, the series that followed the rebirth. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty good. There are a few things that uh, they came up with, like the idea that it hurts to use the Green Lantern ring. What, like Wolverine's claws? Yeah, like every time. Every time I make a boxing glove, it takes yeah, a little bit out of me. Right? <laughs> no, no, because, you know, if you go back up to Identity Crisis, all you got to do is be... Uh, Deathstroke and grab hold of Kyle Rayner and just think hard and all of a sudden the ring won't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. I, okay, never mind. Okay. But uh, yeah, this was a nice reintroduction and it brought back all of the lanterns and all of the, you know, we would eventually get Sinestro and the Sinestro Corps and the Red Lanterns and mm. Blue Lanterns and Polka Dot Lanterns and Turquoise Lanterns and it yeah. was fun. And but... then you have Larflees. Oh, I love Larflees. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> it was... The orange avarice, who's like one of the baddest motherfuckers in the... Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) uh, Demetrius did a series of him in the New 52. That That was one of the few bright spots there for me. And uh, I I gotta gotta be honest, like, Green Lantern never quite struck it with me, like the space cop angle, like... Yeah. It it was a little too cosmic for me, and I tend to be a little more grounded. But at the same time, Marvel Annihilation was going on, and I loved that. I was eating that up. Like, all the stuff that Keith Giffen did, like, reintroducing Drax, and basically Mm -hmm. making, like, the movie version of the Gardens of the Galaxy. I tried to bring that over to Green Lantern, and I read it, and I remember, like, okay, this is... This is decent. I think he did a lot of oversimplifications of it. Oh, yeah. Trying to, like, make as, like, clean an introduction as possible. And for someone like me, mm-hmm. who wasn't familiar at all, I mm-hmm. found it too basic. Yeah. Um, but I did like Dave Gibbons' run on Green Lantern Corps that came after it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's a good like, book. Like, him and Pat Gleason yeah. were on it. And then, like, after that, Pete Tomasi came on, and that's when Pat Gleason and Pete Tomasi started their little... Little thing that went forever. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest takeaway for this for me was all the extra characters. Hal Jordan is the still the least interesting that character may have been one of the in his too. book because this actually kind of picks up from the end of uh, Identity Crisis. Yes. Oh yeah. There's a hint. He's that always he's coming there. back. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking to Ollie and it's like I'm working on the way back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it was Batman. Though. Yeah. I'm gonna come back. <laughs> <laughs> Batman was dead too for a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was Batman this person? He, he was... Uh, no, 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 no. No, it was... No. You're thinking of the guy after him that was actually yeah. in Gotham Central? Uh, yes. Uh, Corrigan? Cor- uh, it was Corrigan. Corrigan which, yeah. by the way, ooh, oh. David Lapham's run, it is brutal. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Tales of the Unexpected, That's 1 through 12. such a good book. Love that. I think it's Tales of the Unexpected. Please let it be Tales of the Unexpected. We're going with it. We're going David with it. David Lapham wrote Spectre in one of the Tales books, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. But yeah, it's such a brutal character, and I love that. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth mm. didn't really make an impression with me, but it was the start of the juggernaut that was Green Lantern. Right, right. And the good stuff was yet to come. At a time when Batman was at the top of everything, then all of a sudden there's this huge resurgence in interest in Green Lantern, which is a character that maybe would have cracked the top like five. 
He's like neck and neck with Aquaman for yeah, a while. Yeah, and now he was solidly in the number one or two position he for basically a like knocked Wonder Woman straight out of the. Oh tournament. yeah, and Superman was not doing anything at this time either. So oh, what do you mean? What do you mean, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Azzarello? <laughs> We're uh, <laughs> up for tomorrow at the same see time. See the previous episode, <laughs> folks. <laughs> at the same time, mm. <laughs> we had Chuck Austin writing his run on Action Comics, <sighs> which I've not read yet. Mm. I can't wait to read it. That's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be what the Chuck. <laughs> we're getting to it. But yeah, so there were a lot of things in disarray, and this is where they're starting to find it. And I can see like Den has got a couple hits on his. Yeah. So he's got Identity Crisis coming with Green Lantern Rebirth, and it was huge. There was a huge Silver Age vibe to this. It was Silver Age, but modern. It was definitely, you know, of today, what's going on now. And it was a decent take on the character. It's just, I never cared for the character, but like you said, all the stuff that came after it was really good. It got a little crazy with with the, the Spectrum, but I. Yeah, it's one of those I ideas. I bought every issue like, of it. It's one of those ideas. It's like, how come no one did this before? Yeah, yeah. Play with the color spectrum. Making Sinestro a yellow lantern. Yes, that was so good. The Sinestro War is amazing, but it didn't really hold my attention for too long after that. Like, aside from the big events, yeah, it didn't really capture. I tried reading again during Blackest Night, and then Blackest Night was just like, ah, it's like, yeah, this I... may be getting a little too gruesome for me. It was cool when they had the, you know, extra lanterns come in, I remember, in Blackest Night, but, you know, when they had Lex Luthor was an orange lantern and stuff. Oh, hey, Superman. We're talking about Superman? Uh, Ah! You read Paul Uh, Cornell's uh, run on action comics where Lex Luthor was after Oh, yes, yes. That was one of the best runs. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. That So good. One of the few good things right before the end of the... Pre fifty two universe, yeah. or should it that was around, crisis universe? That was actually the concurrent with uh, JMS's grounded run, yeah. because he had walked across the United States. So Lex Luthor was just like, "All right, yeah, Metrop- all right. Uh-huh. Metropolis is all to me." So I tasted the power of a lantern <laughs> ring. I'm gonna get it. Then he had a little Lois sex bot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and he, he met death. Yeah, <laughs> the first Sandman universe crossover yeah. since like the first couple issues where Superman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with you know? the Justice League are hanging out with Swamp Thing. Yeah. And with that, we're going on to the next one, which is another huge hit for me as well. Ooh, like, yeah. I love, I love this whole run. Um, this is Superman, Batman, Supergirl. This is Jeff Loeb after the success of Batman. By the way, he, all he wanted to do was do like a hush follow up, but for some reason they wouldn't let him do that. Um, but they gave him Superman, Batman, so he was just like, okay, so I'm going to do this. And this is where he played around with uh, the characters and the legacies. He had uh, Ed McGinnis on the first one, Michael Turner on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think they kind of went back and forth with the two uh, yeah, for a while. Yeah. I think maybe even Carlos Pacheco was in there, but I can't quite remember exactly. And it ended with John Cassidy uh, and like drawing a story that Jeff Loeb's son had written right before he had died from oh, brain cancer. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Which is like heartbreaking. Which is like the start of like the Broken Loeb era. Where yeah. he went to Marvel and tried to clean oh, house. Oh, yeah, where he brought Sam, the uh, Nova kid yeah. in. Yeah. Well, that's... Named after his son. That's one yeah. of those things just like, hey, listen, you're you're grieving? We get it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. So no, uh, just let him knock it out. Marvel yeah. is the perfect place for him to do that. Yeah. Him and stuff. Yeah. But this is what Dan DiDio wrote about this. Superman, Batman, Supergirl. Now, Jeff Loeb did an amazing job reinventing World's Finest for all the new audience with Superman, Batman. But it wasn't until issue eight that this series made its mark in the DCU. With the return of Kara Zor-El, one of the biggest walls from the epic series Crisis on Infinite Earths came tumbling down beautifully drawn by Michael Turner before his death 
Actually, he died of the same oh, yeah. type of cancer yes. that Sam died of. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, Supergirl returned with the full grandeur he, she deserved. I know for some fans, Supergirl will always be a protoplasmic matrix from a pocket dimension that merged with a devil-worshipping teenager before being fused with the Angel of Fire, but for most, she will always be Superman's cousin. It's really that simple, and that's why she came back. On a personal note, this is where my brief but lasting friendship with Michael Turner began. He left a lasting mark, and he is missed. Okay, now we can't do this without you know feeling bad that Michael Turner passed away. That yeah. being, I said, mean, there are two deaths basically yeah, yeah. tied to this I one. Mean, it was Michael Turner and Sam, and they both passed away around the same time. Right, right. Like, I mean, it was it was a little bit ways back because even after Jeff Loeb left after this one to go work on work with Marvel, he yeah. had some stuff teed up with Michael Turner that just yeah. never came to fruition, like the Wolverine Ultimate Wolverine Origins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it, it, this is a bit of a heavy one, but these stories were so fun. They were, and like I love the Peter David uh, Supergirl that he's referencing there, where mm-hmm. she was, you know, started off as the protoplasmic goo, and again was an angel and bonded with the soul of a mortal. That ooh, ah, yeah, it was weird stuff. I, I haven't read it, but uh, Ollie's. Yeah, here in town, they've yeah. got the entire run of Peter David's collection for like five bucks a piece. So I think I'm gonna pick those up. Oh yeah, because I just love Peter David. Yeah, it's great stuff. You won't regret it when you mm-hmm. read it because it ties into his run on Young Justice as well. So there's a I little bit of crossover. Like, oh my god, I think You've my time so with Peter David stuff. began with X Factor. Then I'm like, um, yeah, keep it coming. Oh, dude. we got to get you into the Hulk and everything too. But oh, um, this Supergirl was good. It's not my Supergirl, but it's a great reintroduction to the mm-hmm. classic. It's Kara another Zorin. in a line of reintroductions that are coming in. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's not the super, the yeah. Supergirl. Hey, we get it. Nobody wants to read 1,800 issues from 30 years ago to understand who Supergirl is. Yeah. So we're just going to redo it. Yeah, this I, is I pretty clean. I yeah. liked it. Uh, and this whole run, like, the first arc where he basically has Superman, Batman up against, like, the DC, DC versions of the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Yeah. And at the end, he even ties it back to his Emperor Joker run, where it's like Joker and Mixapitalik. Yes. <laughs> at the yes, end of Eternity, yes. just kind of like messing around with everything. Which is, you know, you cannot go wrong with this. And again, like, we're talking about how grounded and, like, serious identity crisis was. This was polar opposite of that, which kind of, like, is interesting to me why, as soon as Jeff Loeb wrapped this up, he went straight over to Marvel. And it kind of, like, yeah. strikes, like, uh, almost like a turning point in the type of stories that would be published with this. That's true. And it, this laid the groundwork. You got to see at the end of one issue, one of the two Lex Luthers that would be coming up in Infinite Crisis because there was our Lex Luthor and then there was the Earth 2, no, Earth 3 Lex Luthor who looked like our Lex Luthor. And mm-hmm. one of them was running the Suicide Squad or it was called Secret Six and the other one was in the Arctic. And I forget which one's the real one, so... Yeah. L- look at the end I, of one of the issues. I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of interested now. No, it wasn't Secret Six back then. It was the, Villains United. Oh, oh, you're right. That you're was right. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When I'm telling you, this is when I was collecting DC. Heavy. I see you. I collected DC hardcore. heavy yeah. until the new Fifty Two. Yeah. Um, and it all is thanks mm. to this next one right here. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Oh, this Blue is, Beetle. I want to tell you just a second <laughs> what I think of this, and it's probably going to be. I might gush a little bit. Okay, so okay. You're in the splash zone, uh, all right, Jason. Uh, all, right, all right, I got the goggles on. We're good. 80 pages for a buck. What's not to like? 
Probably my favorite comic of all things published in the last 10 years, perfectly crafted by the first true architects, Greg Rucka, Judd Winnick, and Jeff Johns, and a little un unaccepted help from Brad Meltzer. Uh, un uncredited. <laughs> unaccepted? <laughs> unaccepted. <laughs> like, yeah. Brad! <laughs> hey, I think you should do... Shut up, Brad. How many novels did you sell just because you were attached to this rape story? We right, had? <laughs> right, right. You got a it, show on History Channel, I think. <laughs> yes. It truly captured the scope, spectacle, and humanity of the DCU. Arguably, and there's that word again, the best Blue Beetle story. It took us through all facets of the DCU as we followed one man's struggle against all odds, never giving up, but ultimately failing. This story has sense... Yeah, good, good one on your grammar, Didio. Mm. This story has a sense of unexpected, adds a sense of unexpected to the DCU that made even the most jaded fan wonder what would happen next. Personal side, I remember I could barely sleep the nights before this book came out since the next two years of story hinged on its success. It was an all-in all bet that paid off in a very big way. I freaking loved oh, yeah. this story. And I I have to agree with him, too. As divisive as this is for killing off the Blue Beetle, I think this is one of the best Blue Beetle stories oh, yeah. that's ever been told because it's all just like him putting everything together and him as like his most detective-y and he was still very much in character and then mm. at the end the shocker that Maxwell Lord oh. the guy that was funding the Justice League International was mm. it it's another one of those things where it's just like yeah it's kind of been there the whole time Max has always had like some seedy yeah. stuff going on and now he just blows Blue Beetle's head off and becomes the biggest like badass in the DCU. And this was a giant step away from comics being for kids. Once you see Maxwell Lord shooting Blue Beetle's head off, you know, you can't go back. You know, okay, this is no longer, we're not writing for kids, we're not writing for, you know, new stand editions that you would always see talked about in letters, mm -hmm. you know, in the letter page. They realized our audience has grown and we're not getting newer readers the way we would so let's write for the audience that we have, the audience that's a little bit more mature and wants to see these characters yeah. a little bit more realistically. And right it now. is picking up from the plot threads of Identity Crisis because Batman, oh, definitely. in the in the wake of this, they have the four series. Uh, I, God, I can't remember exactly all of them, but I know Villains United. We already Villains talked United. about the OMAC Project. Uh, the Ran Thanagar War. Ran Thanagar War and, and the Magic. Uh, the it was the Bill Willingham yeah. uh, wrote it, but I cannot remember exactly what it was. The but there Death was a, of Magic in the DC Universe was yeah. basically the thing. And that's the one where they kind of like brought Spectre yeah. back as like Jim Corrigan or whatever his name was. And they killed the old Star Sa Sapphire in mm -hmm. preparation for what they were going to do in the Green Lantern series. Yeah, later and then on, we have so. like total full on crazy to the max paranoid Batman yeah oh god yeah who doesn't trust anybody no, so no. he's launched like the OMAC satellites mm -hmm. and it's just this really set the whole tone which is like Batman's almost separate from the Justice League at this point and he suspects something going on but he can't trust anyone now yeah. so it's up to him and his uh, like his intel to kind of figure out what's going on and Greg Rucker wrote that one with uh, I think Jesus Saiz did the art on it and they don't go on to do Checkmate yeah. post Infinite Crisis which God, is really I love good. Checkmate yeah but this is also Egg infamous for checkmate. the fact that they got like five or four issues in there was a big fight mm -hmm. with Maxwell Lord yeah. and then they just decided oh we're gonna do a crossover in the middle of this miniseries yes I'm like what the hell is happening here like but you had to follow the yes. other ones yeah you the had series to... did not stand on its own which I think was a failure big time on editorial and when he came back it's like oh Wonder Woman just snapped Maxwell Lord's neck 
which he had it coming. And yeah, you know what? Yeah. Wonder Woman, she's an Amazon. She's a warrior. Of course she snapped his neck. I mean, Why was this a big deal? Everybody, you know, gives her a lot of grief about that, but we've seen characters step over that line before, and this was completely justified. This guy had control of Superman and was going to use Superman to murder yeah. people. Yeah, that's what you yeah, had she to do. His neck. It wasn't like Peter Parker was fighting Wolverine in a graveyard and accidentally killed uh, right, <laughs> Wolverine's yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, no, this was <laughs> Punched not... her to death by accident. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, this guy has Superman under his control. He's going to burn Lois and everyone else to death and, you know, just wreak havoc. And, yeah. Or, snap. Now, why didn't she knock him out? Well, um, plot. Yeah. And this was basically the inspiration for Man of Steel's ending. Oh, yeah. Where Superman just, like, snaps Zod's neck. Okay. Which, you know, I'm not, I'm not against too much anyway because he did come from like a warrior planet and stuff like that yeah. but he should have been raised better but yeah, we yeah. saw everything die well we saw who raised him Kevin yeah. Costner's not the Jonathan Kent you want if you want a decent <laughs> Superman he's like everything's no. gotta be flooded in 20 years go in there stay in the tunnel I'll just die in front of you that won't bother you much you see that there's a tornado about to slam into that school you can't do anything if you do something people start spec stuff but yeah, Take so Captain Infinite Crisis <laughs> loved this. Yes, I loved yeah. everything that came out of it. Like, all the different spokes that came in. And I think this was even, like, kind of set the the tone for what, like, the modern crossover would be. Because there's no way you could just have, like, another Crisis on Infinite Earth that just drops. Without right, a lot right. of, like, backloading exposition. And it's coming from everything around it. And you think about how much went so, into that first one. So this is your one-stop shop for all that It's my one-stop shop, and then mm-hmm. it breaks out into four stories. For a dollar. And those four stories converge into one story. Yeah. And you don't really have to read anything. No, else. you don't have to read all four of those either. You mm-hmm. could just read one or none and still Except get Except for Omac Project, which well, yeah. you needed to read the other stuff to That's see true. Wonder Woman yeah, snap yeah, his the, neck. But they're going to recap that so much that, you know, you could have gotten away without it. But Yeah. 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 But speaking of Infinite Crisis... Uh, next one up. Dan DiDio's next big accomplishment was Infinite Crisis. Well, we had to count down to something, and we planned to do our first company crossover. I knew only one person could write it. Jeff did a masterful job bringing all the stories of the last year and a half to a single point in crescendo. All the signposts led there. Death of the Blue Beetle. Wonder Woman killing Max Lord. Destruction of the Watchtower. Day of Vengeance. Day of Vengeance. Ah, that, that was, was it. it. That was Vengeance. it. Yep. That's the magical one. Yeah, the Spectre was in it. So Olmec Project. Ranthanagar yeah. War and Villains United. Yeah, if we just waited just a Had we just scrolled down. <laughs> you know what? Take the, everything we said in the last segment, insert it here. Throw it away. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're going to New 52. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what's coming next, folks. <laughs> Jeff brought the characters to life and Phil Jimenez, with help from George Perez, Ivan Rice, and Jerry Ordway, brought them to form, and together they did the impossible. They created the perfect sequel to the original seminal maxi-series Crisis on Infinite Earths. To me, it's my first and our best. I never tire of reading it, and someday, maybe when it's an absolute, we can print all of our notes on how this came to be and what was supposed to happen after. Maybe. So, Ooh, a tease. Seems like there was a lot of stuff they never got to do that he really wanted to. But then again, when this came out, he wasn't even head of publishing at the time. Right. So he had another person above him, Paul Levitz, that was running the show. And for what it's worth, Paul did an awesome job during this. Oh, movie. I love... Yeah. The, I, I think it was awesome. 
bought multiple copies of every issue with the variant covers when this mm-hmm. came out. It was there was Jim Lee covers and George Perez covers, and yep. I had to get both. And it was a great story. Oh, uh, but the most so controversial good. thing that came of this was the Superboy punch, and the Superboy punch. I'm fine with it. You're it fine with it. I love it. I'm fine with it for the most part. Yeah. But there's one thing, mm. one sore spot for me. Mm. We talked about the Batman run. We had Jeff Loeb. Yeah. We had Eduardo Risso come on. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we had a little man named Judd Winnick yeah. come on. And he did a badass run, bringing back Jason Todd. And it was all building up to how did Jason Todd Batman come back from the dead? Being real. Yeah. yeah. You're getting down. Yeah. It's a real world reference, folks. And that's like <laughs> my favorite Black Mask. Oh, with Black the Mask drill? was so good. Yeah. He was he was very like sassy in that one. Oh yeah, he was... I love sassy Black Mask. I hated it when they rebooted him. He was like a mobster. I love sassy Mask. He was drawn very much like the Red Skull in those issues too. Yeah. I remember the Red Skull was... was just a mobster. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was great. And then you had this whole thing leading up to it was just like, what the heck is going on mm-hmm. with Jason Todd? How did he come back? Is it tied to Hush? Right, which right. apparently he was in Hush that was him when he was there and then it just turned into Clayface later like it, he replaced Clayface with him yeah. there's like kind of some weirdness there that yeah, never quite yeah. made sense it's like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too yeah but then you're thinking it's like it has to be the Lazarus Pits yeah there's gotta be something with the yeah. Lazarus oh, Pits yeah, yeah. no Superboy just punched reality and brought him back yeah that'd... and I'm like oh man <laughs> it's like the most defeated like ah, Judd I'm so sorry <laughs> for you and then that was like the last thing Judd wrote on Batman anyway before like the one year later. Right, And then right. we got before. into like Bruce Tim, and I believe it was, yeah, it was like Bruce Tim came on a little bit later. I can't actually remember who did the stuff with, I think it was James Robinson did this too. It was like a big crossover. And then after that, Grant Morrison, Bruce Tim came on. Like, I'm not even looking at the rest of the list, but I know that this is where we're going to go into all the... DC Universe reboots yep. and new starting points mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. next well up until now and well, maybe we'll get to 5G yeah <laughs> oh damn um, will we ever get to 5G <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh I want to jump back and say something not Bruce Tim took over it was Paul Dini the yeah guy, the, one the of those guy animated who, series guys the animated yeah. series, you know the guy yeah, who reinvented uh uh, invented Harley Quinn. Oh, and you know that, that the little, freaking the no best heard of her. Mr. Freeze that's ever existed mm. in Heart of Ice. But yeah, so like that's that's my biggest thing. And also as an additional fu um, at the time was uh, there was a Hush story running in I oh, think, Legend of the Dark Knight. Yes, which I would really like. I was so into it. Prometheus was his bitch. Like was he was, it? yeah. Prometheus was, was walking around as Hush's yeah. bitch, and later mm-hmm. on they had to write a whole story where that wasn't the real Prometheus; it was a fake Prometheus. They did was, such a good job. Like AJ yeah. Lieberman was like an unknown. He went on to do like Cowboy Ninja Viking, which was super cool. Yeah, and a couple other things. But I love this whole run; it's super underrated. But mm-hmm. then there was a huge showdown should have happened between Hush and Joker and Batman and stuff. Yeah, and then they were on the rooftop it, it got yeah the they were on a rooftop and it just ended yeah. so that's another thing where I'm like why did you just cut off everything and this this wasn't the first time yeah that Dan DiDio just ended all the storylines right and then went for something else but Infinite Crisis just by itself was a huge money maker everybody bought it everybody was I know invested I you know you got to uh, Superboy Prime is a 
wonderful creation or re reimagining. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's of such the a character. good villain and yeah, perfect. This is the first time I read Jeff Johns. I'm like, this guy's good. Yeah, like, he can tie so many. When things together. he is on it, he is on it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think he really just needs someone to edit and direct him because he's like a loaded gun. Once he's got you, so many ideas. Yeah, it, he'll just empty the clip unless you tell him, no, no, no. Let's, yeah, this is the this. perfect place for him to edge. edge oh yeah, edge the this is he's shooting is like, wildly and everybody. Jeff, you can do everything. Oh, I can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> just jamming it, it out. Click, like, mm-hmm. Jeff, I think your unused script for Lethal Weapon Three <laughs> is in here somewhere. Let's see what random Titan can I have their arms ripped off this? <laughs> Come and here, now, chance. This brings us to one year later, and also the series that filled in one year later. 52, not new 52. No, no, This is the old 52. this is the good 52. This is 52. And uh, I I love reading what Dan DiDio has to say about this. Mm. If only because I know what he actually felt Mm. about Mm. this. So let's hear it from the man himself. DC's first year-long weekly series. I know there were weekly series in the UK before this, but this was the first time we tried to do something on this scale in the U.S., we distributed comics weekly, so it only made sense to make comics that was weekly too. A bit naive, but why should that stop us? Original plan was to fill in the missing year from one year later, jump, done in real time. But when you put together a writing team of Jeff Johns, Greg Rucka, Mark Wade, and Grant Morrison, the best thing to do is let the creators take their course and craft a masterful tale. Jeff represented the, uh, the present DCU. Mark knew its history. Grant had the scope, and Greg kept it grounded. And together they wrote every issue and made secondary characters like Booster Gold, Elongated Man, Steel, Black Adam, and Question top sellers. And let's not forget Keith Giffen on layouts and J.G. Jones on covers, making this a complete package. We must have done something special here, as we did with Countdown to Final Crisis and Trinity, or other companies would have followed suit. They never did. Actually, uh, Steve Wacker, editor of this, ran over to Marvel to do the thrice, thrice a month. Amazing Spider-Man. So, yeah, they did it. Not weekly. There's four yeah. weeks in a month. We know this. But they had a lot of one-shots. Mm. Infinitely proud of this masterful accomplishment, and while we're on it, let me set the record straight. I have mm. never been more proud of what we accomplished on this series. After all, it was originally my idea. I assembled the writing, and art teams created the production methods, sold the idea inside and outside the company, mm. and cleared the way for the creators to take charge of the book. Of course, there were bumps along the ways, which, <laughs> with this much creative power, how couldn't there be? But to say I hated it is just plain silly. He hated it. <laughs> he hated this. Now, this was a good... This is probably the, the best follow-up you could have had to oh, Identity Crisis. Perfect. You had great closure on the Elongated Man story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it picked up all those plot lines and ran with them. And like this, this was such a juggling act. This was such a great series for so many minor characters, yeah. like he was saying. I mean, uh, Rene Montoya becoming the question mm-hmm. throughout this and watching the old question, you know, just kind of transition. And like, yeah, here, I'm dying. Take the mask. Take the hat. Take the trench coat. Go ask questions. Yeah. And that's, you know. Please. <laughs> please ask questions. <laughs> it's kind of the thing. Whenever <laughs> someone says you have any questions, you'd be the first to raise your hand. <laughs> It's what we do. <laughs> you and the Riddler. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, this was a great series. I remember loving Black Adam. I'm hoping that when The Rock finally gets to do his Black Adam movie that somebody reads this and they do a storyline similar to this mm-hmm. because I loved ISIS coming back. You know, not the not, not the terror. Not ISIS. Okay, that's going to be out there on the internet now. I love the character, the DC character of ISIS coming back and Captain Adam Jr. or whatever that kid's name was and Sobek the Crocodile that bit him when he transformed back into yeah. his human form. Uh, when that happened, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I'm ruining it for everybody who hasn't read it, but the it's Crocodile. It's so, so old. You can get this for uh, like 20 bucks. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it was good stuff. And, and then, great covers by J.G. Jones, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Set the tone perfectly. And I feel like even though they had such a rotating uh, roster of artists, it kept a really consistent tone. I think that was because Keith Giffen was personally like, oh, yeah. plotting out everything. I think so. So it had yeah. like all the panels, like all the bones were the same. Yeah. yeah. So you had different art styles, mm-hmm. but the storytelling was very yeah. consistent. Yeah. Okay. It's not like jarring what we usually get with uh, crossovers where you have different people do different. Right. Styles. One issue is like this. One issue is like that, and it just yeah. doesn't mesh. Mm-hmm. And with four writers, four big time writers on this, it's hard to imagine it going that smoothly but I guess everybody's egos kind of get out of the way and they all just kumbaya through this whole thing well that's pretty much what happened but yeah unbeknownst to all the writers Mm. Stephen Wacker was catching all the shit that was rolling downhill Mm. because Dan DiDio would reportedly stomp through the office yelling about how much he hated (laughs) this series and how much they're ruining his vision and it got to a point where towards the end of the run apparently Dan DiDio had ghost written one of the final issues. Oh wow! To make sure that no one on the team, none of these A-list writers that we oh. just mentioned, would dare ruin his like brainchild. He can't have Greg Rucka in there fucking with things. Yeah. No. So Mark it was Wade, like, what's he know? Yeah. What does Greg Rucka know? Mm. Jeff Johns, who's that clown? Yeah. Mark Wade. <laughs> Great. What? If I need to know what happened fifty years ago, I'll ask you, Mark. Yeah. Tell me about you know spotted kryptonite. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. Please. It. I, I need to know. It, it makes you uh, have to pee. Does it? Yeah. Like, if you want to get rid of Superman, you bought the spotted kryptonite, and he's like, oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like an Austin Powers kind of pee. It's one really? Of those it's like an asparagus pee? Bracing, you're putting your hand on the wall, bracing, and it's just going to... Okay. It's the kind of pee that hurts then, your back. And meanwhile, yeah, you're getting away and hiding behind a lead door, because then Superman's done. <laughs> Kids, I learned something today. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Don't do drugs before Jason of St. Augustine. That nice man said the bag was new. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it affected Steve Wacker so much that he immediately made the jump over to Marvel too. So we had Jeff Loeb, uh, Steve Wacker leave, and uh, Mark Wade would kind of like shed light later on because Mark Wade's like the mouthpiece of the Oh, movie. yeah. I love you can't that. shut Mark Wade no. up because you know what? He is like, he just took on a job as like the the chief creative officer of humanoids. Like, even though he puts <laughs> out so much work, he writes so damn much, but he's also like such an editor too. Like, he does more than anyone in this industry. Like, yeah, yeah. Probably like up there with Bendis as much as he has his like fingers in yeah, everything. Yeah, okay. Which, oh, business may come up at the end of this podcast. Oh, it will. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'll say uh, it in a positive note. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what you've got to say. <laughs> Counterpoint, okay. But yeah, so he ran off of it, and like it was a shit show 
for Steve Wacker, who did a good job of shielding all of his writers from everything that was going on. But I think, didn't they have like a World War Three happen in the middle of this too? It like was towards the, the end? The last month uh, that it was coming out, all four issues of World War Three came out before the final issue of 52. Because I'm wondering if that was Dan DiDio finally getting his way and it's just like, dude, we just have to push this out. Yeah. And I uh, can't remember if that actually like mattered to the story at all or if they just took something that was in the background and then made its own fleshed out comic but it was when that I that may have I, been where Dan Dio like really jumped in and started doing his thing the only part of that I remember is that's when Black Adam went crazy and flew around and fucked everything up but yeah. I, I don't remember anything else about what his grand vision for the future yeah. was based but it, on but that. it's just so shitty to have like your art team go for 50 issues yeah and they're they're doing such a bang up job. They're working their asses off. Everyone's jumping in and pitching in. Then all of a sudden, Dan DiDio just swoops in at the end, like yeah. the balls at the one yard line. Yeah. Then he's just like, "I'm gonna walk this over." Yeah. And spike. So he he got the touchdown. He didn't credit himself for it, but he knows in his heart that he like screwed over everyone there. Yeah. And then out of that, like Mark Wade, I don't think has ever really worked with DC again. No, no, I don't believe so. Yeah, and <laughs> he might soon. He made the jump. <laughs> Maybe, maybe he'll be the new uh, <laughs> new publisher. I, I can get you know what? That. Yeah, if that's... Mark Way were the publisher, like God, AT and T, are you listening? <laughs> Make this happen. Don't cancel DC. <laughs> Hire Mark Wade. But apparently, him and Bob Harris have really bad blood. Oh well. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't so think Bob Harris will ever hire him because I think they even told him straight up, like, you will never write a Superman comic, even though that's the guy that hands down I want writing. Right. A Superman yeah. Comic. Should be writing Superman comics. Yeah. yeah. So here we go on. Uh, speaking one. of Superman. Well, not, not Superman just yet. He's oh, got a little okay. interlude right here where he talks about some other things that he's very proud of. And for the most part, I really agree with him on this. All right, thing. all right. Uh, now filling the last three spots on this list was more difficult than I thought it would be. Not because there was nothing to choose from. Instead, there was quite the opposite. There were several more worthy series that deserved to be on this list. New Frontier. Whoop, whoop. Whoa, by Darwin Cook. Brilliant taking the early days of the ECU. Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yeah. Loved it. Grant Morrison's epic reimagining of the team. All-Star Superman. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, wait, no. That was good. What? I was thinking Batman. What? I was thinking Batman. <laughs> you get out of my fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> to the door, sir. <laughs> no, no. He, he, it's the one that he was bad. All-Star uh, Superman, Superman is like a so, Bible for how so, you should write Superman good comics. Superman was like, pretty good, yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you ate that words before yeah, I yeah, made yeah. you Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, re- I was I was looking ahead on the list. I saw Batman coming up. All-Star Batman and Robin, audacious yet incomplete, which you can listen to my Those thoughts on Batman words. by just jumping back to uh like about one whole episode before. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. We covered All-Star Batman and Robin, which by the way everyone needs to read it and everyone needs to own it just to see how fucking crazy. And yeah, I feel yeah. like Frank Miller had no respect for Batman and he was just coming back and he was just like Batman's a terrorist and he's a kidnapper. And the whole thing was just him being crazy and a kidnapper and a terrorist. Uh, which, in itself, is a reason enough to own it and read it and just love how bad it is. I think he realized but at that for point him he to couldn't mention be fired. This on his yeah. like top ten list, give I, it an honorable mention? This is insane. I think it. it's because you can't mention All-Star Superman without mentioning All-Star Batman. I think he was just like, yeah. I want Frankie to feel bad about it. Yeah, He's got a drug problem. Let's just go... <laughs> I don't know if he all has my a, love's going. I don't think to you. he has a problem. It's the rest of us that have the problem with his drug use. Yeah, <laughs> he seems to be enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and Wednesday comics. Mark Chiarello's love letter to the soon to be forgotten format, to name a few. 
And while they all stood out from the rest, they didn't exactly fit the criteria I had for the top 10. So sure to cause some discussion, here are the final three. Before we get to the final three, I just want to say one thing on Wednesday comments. Mm-hmm. This was one of the most interesting experiments that it was DC, neat. like in all of comics. Like, it's so strange to see how weird Dan DiDio got and controlling he got, mm-hmm. whereas how much creative freedom he gave so many other people. It's like he had his boys club. And his boys club can do no wrong. Right. Until he told them they were doing wrong. <laughs> and he did some really awesome things, and Wednesday Comics was one of them. Even Dan DiDio wrote a really, really fun Metal Man story in there, too. Yeah, yeah. With R. by Aaron LaPresti. It's very reminiscent of uh, Jim Shooter at Marvel in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, when he got in charge, mm-hmm. he was going to write everything and you know read Secret Wars 2, and you'll have a idea. Oh, I, I don't I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to. Okay. I, but I remember the Shooter era being like, they had like really good creative freedom oh. up until he decided until that he, he decided yeah, yeah. <laughs> no 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 until he was just like okay so we're doing good now so yeah. I now like that idea. I love that idea change it yeah <laughs> that's really good uh, you're fired you're not getting paid for it <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna rewrite it <laughs> and now here we go number eight on the list Superman Earth One now I have not yet read this one never read it no uh, interest but I'll, in it. I'll just go ahead and read this one but it, no. this is the series that J. Michael Straczynski left the main Superman he was just like screw mm-hmm. it the comics are a dying format I'm just going to go write graphic novels from now on so we jumped over to this one it, I believe it was pretty well received oh yeah, yeah so let's go this is slightly out of order but I wanted to slot it eighth when we produced the original graphic novels we usually came at our characters from all, from the sides the material was either very eclectic tied to continuity or rendered our characters unidentifiable with the bookstore market growing at the time, we decided to meet it head-on with new interpretations built for today. Remember, this was started way before there was talk of a new 52. Joe Straczynski not only built a new man of tomorrow, but crafted the story as a true book, and not just a series of issues strung together. It was a new take on Superman's origin that stood on its own, and Shane Davis brought the look that dubbed him Twilight Superman. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> on a personal side... I wanted this book to work to show that one size doesn't always fit all and different formats require different styles of storytelling. Its success paved the way for more series as well as imitation. And uh, I would argue that this one kind of convinced him that it was okay to do the new 52. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, this is... For what it's worth, this is... I, I guess I haven't read it. I heard it's, like, really well received. But, like, it kind of... If Hush was the impetus for him thinking, like, if we put an all-star creative team on one of our fledgling books, it's going to boost it up big time. This right. is where he was just like, okay, graphic novels are where the, the future is, and also there's interest in people seeing us reimagine yeah. all these stories. So, this yeah, is one it, of those notes that, like, in retrospect, like, and it still probably stands on its own, but Dan DiDio's head uh, working the way it does, yeah. I'm pretty sure that this was kind of the death knell for... The uh, regular DCU. Yeah. There we go. Number nine, Batman, Green Lantern, and the Five-Year Plan. Or better known as How the Sinestro Corps War and Batman R.I.P. got me through the toughest part of my career. (laughs) First, some backstory. In late 2007 and into 2008, we hit a rough spot. Our delivery was shaky. Several series were starting to struggle for direction. And our next big event felt rushed. Too many crises too soon. I'm... I'm assuming he was talking Final about crisis. Final Crisis. Yeah. Even though Batman R.I.P. was right there in it. Man. Yet, whatever pressure we were feeling across the line, it did not appear evident in the Green Lantern and Batman. 
Jeff had a five-year plan for Green Lantern that would see the character from Rebirth to Blackest Night, and Grant Morrison had the same for Batman. Starting with Batman R.I.P., Batman R.I.P. performed the Herculean task of crossing over with an event book, Final Crisis, yet positioned the story of the death of Batman to stand on its own if read separately. The Sinestro Corps War showed that you could <clears throat> keep the spectacle in the main title so the ongoings can have events unto themselves. Something I wish people did more. Keep the events inside the titles. Oh, yeah. yeah. On a personal side, they were, sol- they were the solid ground needed to regain our footing. And a reminder that consistency in story and character and planning will win o- out over the usual bags of tricks. If the usual bag of tricks is overplayed. So yeah, he was talking about Final Crisis there. Yeah. It came way too soon. Like, oh yeah. Set up by Seven Soldiers of Victory, by the way, which was an amazing story. I don't think but it was ever meant to be Marshes a world-ending crisis event. I think it was just a Superman story. And then they said, hey, why don't you call it Final Crisis? And yeah. And make it a little bigger. It and did you don't seem have like to that. talk Grant Morrison into making things bigger yeah. very hard that's you know his default setting yeah and so. if you he tried to argue with you you'd never understand what he was saying anyway exactly because he's exactly. got such a exactly. thick Scottish brogue <laughs> him and Mark Miller I'd like to see that <laughs> I heard uh, that they're on very bad terms now uh, after like their work on Flash and I just want to hear that argument I just want to hear them going back and forth in yeah, some weird I, Scottish I, accent that no one understands and they're like I've watched that celebrity death I can't match. tell if they hate <laughs> each other or they're just Warming up the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, why rule something out? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we already talked about this Green Lantern run. Um, it's good. I like it. This is all the good stuff that we talked about earlier that was yeah. getting set up. Um, but then we have Batman, which which I remember really, really digging Grant Morrison's run. But I fell off at Batman R.I.P. Honestly, because yeah, they started yeah. the Battle of the Cowl and. And the fact that it was tied into Final Crisis, he's remembering this as it standing on its own. Mm-hmm. It did not stand on its own to me. What did Batman fake no, die in a helicopter accident and then real died when uh, Darkseid in Final Crisis shot an Omega Beam? He didn't die. He just sent him to the Stone Age where yeah. you know he would eventually die of old age. But well, of you course. Know, yeah. But still, it's like Batman R.I.P. did not show the death of Batman. It was a helicopter crash yeah. that led into Final Crisis. The whole thing was completely misleading. Yeah. And it just, it was one of those sour notes where I'm like, oh man, like I think these crossovers are getting too crazy. Yeah. So he sees this as a big high water mark for himself, but I don't know, man. I had checked out um, after Damien was introduced. I was done with. You didn't like Damien? No, no. He was. A lot of people do, and I get why they like him. Also, a lot of people hate him. So you're you're in good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was always a Tim guy, and this is the beginning of Tim being one Robin too many. Yeah. Because they've already brought back Jason at this point. Kind of, sort of, not really, but yeah. Well, it was cool that he was the Red Hood. Like, I, I like that all of them had their own identity. Now, they yeah. couldn't figure out who the hell a Batgirl would be because they kept going through Kate Kane. They had oh, Stephanie Brown. Right. Oh, my God. Then they yeah. fucking murdered Stephanie Brown. Yeah, hey, I wrote that down that they killed Spoiler for no, no reason. reason whatsoever. They just tortured her. They turned Leslie Tompkins into a psychopath that would let a young girl die for no good reason. Yeah. So, that was, yeah. That was another sour note. One yeah. of those things where it's just like... And that the handling the Batman universe at this time just it, it was very questionable. Yeah, it, remember there was this whole thing about Batman had never <clears throat> been seen on television before. He was an urban legend, and you know he's been on the Justice League for years. People have seen yeah. him, but no, somehow Batman's always been you know 
in the shadow around the corner. So yeah. he comes walking out of a school. I think it was Stephanie was shot in a school or somebody was shot and he was carrying no, I, th- a... I think what you're thinking of is, um, was it Jim Gordon's wife was killed by the Joker inside a school? Oh, no, that was that was during... Um, his, she offered her life in exchange for all the kids. The kids, that were in there. yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. This was something else... Um, Oh, another uh, one of the really yeah. horrible Batman moments. Yeah, which yeah. They, they had some good Batman stuff, but then it it this is a start of like snuff film Batman. Yeah, yeah. When then you have Mr. Pig coming on. Oh which, God, yeah. A lot of people love that horrific. character. I think he's a good character, yeah. but it also like doubled down on how horrific it could be, and it was yeah. like it took away from the fun Grant Morrison that I'm used to. Yeah, I think this was the real start of comics getting a little too gritty for what I was wanting out of them at the time. I yeah. can handle gritty now, but. Back then, it was not something you know. Well, it's I gratuitous. Did. Like yeah. gritty and gratuitous are two different things. That's like, true. I can do. Yeah. I can do gritty. Yeah, gratuitous. Uh, it just seemed like they were making a lot of decisions for like no reason at all. Like yeah. Stephanie Brown died. Spoiler. Yeah. And I'm sure that was also like even though Dan DiDio was not a co-publisher publisher at the time, he was like a senior VP, and he clearly had a lot of sway. Yeah. yeah. And this totally seems like something that he was pushing. Like we've got too many back girls killed a bitch. Yeah. Like that's. I can see him saying that exactly because one of the big things that he told Brad Meltzer going in identity crisis was, "Hey, we need to rape." <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> and there are actually articles written by a former assistant editor on the book that mm. are kind of like wiped from the internet uh, right now, uh-huh. but it still kind of exists in the back. Like, hey, remember when the editor came out and said that Dan DiDio said we need to rape? So it's like kind of his mindset going in. We need something shocking. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and Batman R.I.P. was not his real death. And his real death was in Final Crisis, the event that he said was super rushed and didn't quite make a lot of sense. And then, like, this is, like, everything kind of got weird after this. Uh, one positive note is Kate Kane, Batwoman. Okay, all right. Kind of came I'll, out I'll, of yeah, this as Yeah, well. that's true. Hey, it came out. Let's see what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to get married, though. <laughs> She's going to get married. No, no, no. <laughs> she I'll got that you. far. She got that far. What is Chuck Dixon writing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love but, Chuck. <laughs> he he started Birds of Prey, but you know. Yeah, he did start Birds of Prey. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we also talked about Chuck Dixon back on Rawhide Kid mm, when yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, John yeah. Severn was yes. drawing it, and mm-hmm. he was just like, "There's no fucking way John Severn did it." it was just like <laughs> Joe Casada was like. John Severin was here before we had a writer. <laughs> he loves the idea. You see how gay he wrote? <laughs> he drew Rawhide so effeminate. It was like, you're telling me he didn't know he was gay? <laughs> Eat a dick, Dixon. <laughs> nom, nom. <laughs> but yeah, he's a guy that kind of went off the deep end. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so... Uh, I think we should just reboot this list yeah. at hey, this point. I, I, that's, that's a, funny that you say that. Mm. Because now we're going up into his final accomplishment that he writes right here. Not his final accomplishment overall, but something that he says is one of his crowning achievements is number 10, the new 52. Yeah, that's what you want on your tombstone dun, right there. Dun, dun. I gave everybody a new origin and a V collar. Yeah. <laughs> and seams. Oh, yeah, you gotta have seams. Otherwise, yeah, yeah how's the seam fit together? That's more thing, I think. Oh, yeah. If you look at everything I've mentioned from 1 to 9, it feels like we were building to this moment. All that we learned over the years from every success and mistake came into play as we terraformed the entire DCU, and it was everything we hoped it would be. A positioning of our line and characters for the future and shot of adrenaline to the entire industry. It was a wild mix of soft changes, hard reboots, and reimagination with the hope of finally capturing the bigger audience with a wider diversity of product. 
And even if we return to the pre-52 sales tomorrow, <laughs> don't worry, that's not even close to happening. He puts mm -hmm. a question mark right there. It's still mm -hmm. Dan Dio teasing. This would be hands down the biggest success I have even experienced. And the best part of this all is we're not done yet. This is our universe for the future. And there's a foundation worth building on. To quote one of my favorite philosophers, Nuff said. So, New uh -huh. 52. Mm. I've said it before. This is where I, I gave it a genuine shot. I bought all the first issues. I tried keeping oh, up wow. with most of them. I, I was making a decent amount of money as a chef at the okay, time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is all I spent money on was comic books because yeah. I lived at the fucking restaurant. Right, Because right, if you're yeah. a chef, you live at a restaurant. Right, yeah. So I was just like, this makes me happy. I'm going to do it. So I bought them all. So there was I was 52 happy times with a decent where you're like, where's Pandora in this issue? Yeah, and yeah. she never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Pandora. She just Ugh. just never appeared, right? So you're telling what was me it that, in like that Teen Frankenstein monster never paid off? That book? I like the Frankenstein uh, one. I like the uh, Jeff Lemire stuff he did. Like uh, even I Vampire was really good. I like Andrea Sorrentino. Yeah. Dial H for Hero was great. Or what was the weird one that um, Ron Mars did? It was like Voodoo. Ron Mars did? Voodoo, voodoo. Ooh, I forget it that. It was one. weird, but I I remember it liking it. Titles, yeah, yeah, I remember. The, it was the, one of the first the ones. One that thing got that we yeah. can say about this is it revitalized a lot of characters that no one ever thought about. Yeah. Okay. It the, took Grant Morrison's Frankenstein and moved it into Jeff Lemire's Frankenstein, which was really good. Yeah. And I think art by Doug Monkey even stayed on by it. But it was it was really interesting for the lower tier characters. But then it messed up all of the continuity that came before it. Not to mention. That it had majorly pissed off all these creators who would, it had been kept from them. That they're yeah. not going to have a job after this bit. So while this was going on in the background, he handpicked certain creators. Like, okay, you're going to be on this. You're going to yeah. be on this. And then disregarded everything else and just let these creators and these artists just kind of go out of jobs. Yeah. Like, just as they were transitioning over. Which is not the first and last time that he would do stuff like this. Yeah. But yeah, so it went in the New 52, like... Superman's origins drastically changed. Uh, Wonder Woman's origin is still drastically changed. It's not come back yet. Yeah, you know, it's... and like I kind of like that one, but also I kind of have a weird relationship with Brian Azzarello's writing, where I'm like, uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> See, and I think <laughs> like, it, it's like one it. of those things that takes away from the uniqueness of the character. No one else has an origin like Wonder Woman. She yeah. was molded from clay and life breathed into her. She, mm -hmm. but no, now she's another demigod. Yeah, yeah which so. makes sense. But oh well, yeah, it all makes she sense. Be like, uh, but, yeah. what was it? Prometheus's? Oh, it wasn't Prometheus. It was uh, a, Pandora. It was a Pandora. It was Prometheus's brother had a wife made of clay. That was Pandora, wasn't it? Pandora was made of clay. Oh, was she? Oh, oh! Now we're talking about real, um, not know, real man. mythology. So you teach eleventh uh, grade, right? Twelfth. Uh, okay. uh, okay. uh, Actually, twelfth. You know uh, that. <laughs> that's on your curriculum. Look, look, these are the kind of things I ask the students while I Google <laughs> and find out. Oh, okay. According my, to the website, my very short stint as a twelfth grade teacher. <laughs> we read the Pygmalion, which kind of dealt with a lot of that stuff. Okay, we, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, from yeah. We read Prometheus too. Yeah, uh, which was the whole thing so you can't i thought of me of uh pygmalion as i was saying that earlier i just wasn't gonna call myself out but i'm glad you're here to do hey, that awesome oh yeah no i love that my fair lady mm -hmm. the wonder woman story 
yeah, it really is the Wonder Woman story. Yeah, so, and Cyborg got his big step up to the. If mm. anything has lasted from New Fifty Two, oh, Cyborg's it, popularity. Cyborg. Who has, was Cyborg before that? He was on Teen Titans, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was nothing, and yeah. you know he, he, he was not nothing. And in fact, I enjoy the character as a Titan, and I've had to just accept in my old manness because you know forty now that. Cyborg is a member of the Justice League. He's a founding member of the Justice League in every version that's come out since New 52. Mm-hmm. And he's not in mine, but that's okay. I'm old. I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let, let the kids have one black character. <laughs> one smidge of diversity yes. on the Justice League. Yes. Well, it's... Listen, we're talking DC Comics, not the X-Men. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of weird titles that came out of this. A lot of people tried stuff. There was a lot of controversy, like you said, with, you know, just all the continuity going away, except for Batman, kind of. And now Green Lantern wasn't touched. Yeah. Now Batman's, you know, screwing Catwoman on the roof in costume, though. Hey, I like it. Oh, wait. No, that was, uh, no, Judd Winnick did that one. And he even went on to was like, I didn't really particularly want this but editorial said that this is the direction they wanted to go so I went with it yeah it wasn't like this is a video issue like jumping in detective? and also like Gail oh Simone. faceless joker oh faceless joker yeah Tony Daniel doing faceless joker oh, which oh. was why yeah which leads to the three jokers plot line that will never be resolved that no one's touched since they've brought it up I've yeah. not seen it Jeff John should yeah. have a DC black label coming out the three jokers Jason Fabok's apparently drawing the hell out of it right. loving it and he's like a rocky world but it's just like this has been a mystery since the dawn of the new 52 we're yeah. going what was that in 2011 11? nine years later yeah and we still haven't seen resolution in that story it's like the third Summer's brother. They're finally going to tell us, and everybody will be like, I don't like it. <laughs> Who's Vulcan? Yeah. yeah no, what is this? That's bullshit. <laughs> it's Gambit. <laughs> it's always been. That was kind of a fake. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, New 52. Uh, dude, this is, this is it came, and there were so many creative changes, like... There was no consistency in the art teams or the the writers and the very few people that managed to stick it out. It's just like, yeah, Scott Snyder's Batman was good, but look at what happened to Superman. It didn't get better until, oh, like, Greg <laughs> Pak took over, yeah. like, after issue 25. And I remember Andy Diggle jumping in, who's an awesome writer. Yeah, yeah. He, he made some mistakes on Shadowland, but we can go ahead and just say that I... Shadowland was more editorial really messed up than anything, because the regular Daredevil storyline yeah. was good. I did not hate Shadowland. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. it was, I thought know, it was a mess, but I liked it. Well, yeah, I loved it in that fun comic book way yeah. of, you know, this is silly, but Every yay. two panels, there's a new character going, what's up, bub? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Green, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> there's a pyramid in the middle of New York City. Yeah, they're fine with it. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're good. That must have killed so many homeless encampments. Yeah, uh, probably. Eh, you know. Yeah, don't think about it. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. But yeah, so Andy Diggle came on, lasted for one issue before he's just like, screw this. And yeah. he jumped off and he's just like, this is like the most abusive thing ever. Um, we had other characters coming out and or other creators coming out and kind of like butting heads with editorial. Like Paul Jenkins is another oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was on uh, um, David Finch's The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Paul Jenkins is one of my favorite writers. Like, he revitalized yeah. Peter Parker for me. Um, yeah, yeah, his Spider-Man, Spider-Man stuff was his good. His yeah. was pretty good. He did I the humans. Yeah. Like, this guy had, a, like, a real knack for it. Even his frontline stuff. Like, when he did, like, the more offshooty things, like, during the Marvel uh, superhero crossovers. Like, frontline Civil War. He oh, okay, line. he did that. Okay, all right. It was good. The yeah. Sentry. 
like he's a genuine talent and then they asked him to come on to like script for David Finch because David Finch was at a convention yeah which no. goes and shows you just how disorganized everything was <laughs> or he's just like hey uh, so you're hired on to start with six but Finch is at a convention you need this today <laughs> <laughs> and I think Paul Jenkins, he had like this big life shattering. Like I think his daughter was just born, oh, so okay, he ended yeah. up staying up all night and jamming out this like this script that was completely rewritten anyway. Mm. And he's just like, what, what, what's the deal? Why are you just completely rewriting everything? Then he was like one of the first guys to just say, screw this, this is a sinking ship. I'm out of this. And he was pretty public about it too. He's like, listen, I was an editor. He was like the original editor of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like oh wow. he, had a, he had a long <laughs> yeah, yeah he's long. been around for a minute then so yeah and then he he's got him coming out and saying that he's just like this is pretty abusive like Marvel like yeah they've got their issues yeah like ever since Disney took over like he kind of had some like they wanted bigger stories and he didn't yeah. want to do bigger stories that's cool yeah he left on good terms and then he comes over to DC and it's just like a shit show yeah. And then, of course, we have Rob Liefeld coming on after he was Ooh. asked to revitalize three titles. Grifter, Savage, Savage Hawk, Hawk Man, Man. and yeah, what was the Deathstroke. Third? Oh, that's right. He did Deathstroke. Deathstroke's the one that he did everything on. Yes. Oh, my God. And then he know. left very publicly, just yeah, saying, yeah. like, this this is bullshit. Yeah. And then even as early as six months ago, over the summer, he was just like, I mean, there's some big rumblings going on in D.C. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's a reckoning coming. And then he's been the most vocal now that Dan DiDio has been ousted about how like poorly everything's been run and he's like just tearing him apart on Twitter, which I'm sure he has his reasons for it. I haven't read his stuff that uh, was on New 52, but no, his story no. actually lines up with what so many other creators are feeling. That's yeah. just like, he's if anyone's going to be the mouthpiece for it, it's going to be Rob Liefeld. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has no filter, which I love about him. So yeah. there's... Looking back, it's hard to imagine the new Fifty Two working. Like looking back at all the number one issues and all the original arcs that we were just thinking about, some of them, and it was never going to work because you're missing that connection to everything before. It yeah. was too You've alienated me. Yeah, it was too nebulous with, as uh, to what counts giant. or what doesn't. Yeah, so. And even if you go back and look at those stories, some of the characters are so vastly different in yep. this new 52. Like uh, Starfire? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my daughter loves Starfire because we watch Teen Titans Go. You can't let her... No, God, no. I can barely show her Perez drawings, let alone this stuff. I mean, oh, she was walking around in pasties, basically. Yeah. You know. Written by Scott Lobdell, uh, mm. also a kind of a sex monster. Uh, well, yeah. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which... Yeah, uh, it kind of goes to, to a show, couple of things. Yeah, yeah, what uh, kind of environment was going on. Yeah, it's just times. like Scott Lobdell was given a lot of stuff. And I'll, I'll be honest, like I kind of liked some of the stuff he wrote. I, I mean, I liked like his I liked his art. Outsiders. Yeah. Oh, well, that, Kenneth Rockefert was the guy that was, drew it. He's the... Kenneth Rockefert was the, the artist for it. Oh, okay, okay. Which he's a good artist, too. Yeah. But it's it got like two cheesecake. I was just like, this isn't even... Why is she like crazy about sex now? Like, right, right. All yeah. she did was just like she was an alien that yeah, was just discovering her body. Yeah, she was like an alien body. nympho. You know, yeah. like you remember when that was a term? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then it just it got really really weird, lots of creative turnovers and then before long DC Rebirth came in and they were also playing along with uh reintroducing like Watchmen to this universe. Mm. Um which I have yet to read Doomsday Clock. Uh, I'm going to read it all in one go sometime. We'll, <laughs> well see how, you got to wait. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it just finished. Did the, the, the final issue finally final, come yeah. out? Oh, okay. It See, came I out like up. two months ago. I gave up. <laughs> but I did watch the HBO series. Ah, okay. Hey. See, I missed that. Uh, that is amazing. All right. Uh, you know that what? It's pure bliss. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about that. So yeah. I look forward to binging that one day. And it's only going to be the one season now. Mm-hmm. So perfect. Yeah. So then it's gotten the rebirth. Uh, Tom King came out. And Tom King did a lot of good things with Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I love And then Batman, right? it kind of got weird towards the end. And I know a lot of editorial came into it. But it seemed like it was Tom King to me. Tom yeah, King being no, Tom King. Because yeah. the only time I ever read Tom King was on short runs. Yeah. So yeah. it's like him kind of losing himself and being like, all right, I want him to suffer for this long. I think where he lost punishing. himself was that um, miniseries he did last summer. The um, one Here where was they, a crisis? The, the PTSD. Here's yeah, a crisis? Yes, yeah. Where that was the another Flash thing. kills himself. Dan DiDio is like <laughs> the biggest Tom King fan. And I'm a huge Tom King fan too. I love yeah, yeah. Tom King. Even this bad stuff. Like I'm not a fan of his last like 20 issues of Batman. Yeah, yeah. I can do without that. Like yeah, sure. in his first yeah. bit, like I think his last it, good series was Cold Days, where it was like uh, Mr. Freeze, yeah, where he yeah. puts himself on the jury. I love that. <laughs> and then after that, like Rick Grayson. <laughs> yeah. Rick uh, <laughs> Grayson gets shot in the head by KG Beast and mm-hmm. is never mentioned again. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just goes off on his own and becomes Rick Grayson. <laughs> yeah. It's like one issue where Batman's like, "You shot my son." No, he never and says that. He says it. In he doesn't say anything. He scowls and he goes up and KGBs like it. They, those next couple issues should may as well be enough sets because yeah. all it is is KGBs like loading a gun and Batman knocking his teeth out. Oh yeah, in the snow. Yeah, like yeah. he's just pacing around the cabin. He's just pacing. Yeah. 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 So that was like the last really good one. The nightmares came and it kind of got. But that's not so much Dan DiDio. That's more like Dan DiDio given way too much freedom. And I yeah. feel like Tom King needed some kind of editorial oversight or someone saying like, "Hey, let's reel this in just a little bit." We're going to lose readers doing this, and sure they did. Yeah. Um, but Heroes in Crisis was the big one that he staked a lot of stuff on and then ruined Wally West. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just it, it wrecked people what they did to Wally. And then they tried Bruno, to bring Wally Bruno back. Bruno. Yeah, yeah. Hates that. No, it's awful because Wally was such a gateway character for so many people after Crisis who kind of. Hey, we mentioned Mark Wade before. That's yeah. Mark Wade's oh, baby. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is Mark Wade. If yeah. you've listened to him do interviews, he's like, mm-hmm. I basically wrote him as myself with superpowers. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and it's just he's a very relatable character. If you watch the old Justice League cartoon, he's usually everybody's second favorite Justice Leaguer compared to you know whoever your real favorite is. But he's the guy that Jeff Johns wrote before he brought Barry Allen back for no reason. Right. Yeah, and he works as the Flash so much better than Barry. Barry's white bread, and they've done a good job with the show and reintroducing him where I like Barry now as opposed to Hal, where Hal is still just vanilla, you know, white bread with mayonnaise, boring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Barry has some spice to him. But Wally was just everything. He was everywhere. He was had worked his way up. Instead of Cyborg being, you know, promoted due to her universe rebuild, yeah. Wally earned that over 20 years of being written as the kid partner to no now I know what I'm doing to yeah he's the best Flash and for no reason whatsoever let's yep. kick him out bring in Barry again and... but they just brought back Wally West with the rebirth yeah and then they put him through the the, uh, the paces in Heroes in Crisis which is one of the weirdest plot twists and there's it still doesn't make any sense to me and it's such a beautiful book that is so mishandled by like editorial. I feel like mm-hmm. Tom King got 
way too up his own ass with his like pros. Oh yeah, because yeah. he he like one of the main problems I had with the last half of Batman was that he would just have like people just quoting stories. Yeah, entire yeah, stories. Yes, yes. The, the penguin just going off and. <laughs> <laughs> just doing a whole poem. Well, if anybody's going to do it, it would be the big one. Yeah, but, and yeah. then Alfred, the last issue with Alfred, where yeah. all he does is just read a story. Yeah, yeah. And that's like a trope that Tom King has that I cannot stand. Yeah. I love Tom King as a writer. I just wish he'd put that shit away. Yeah, he and can't that, do it all the time. And it yeah. just kept going with, like, Heroes in Crisis, where Harley Quinn would just, like, speak in song. Yeah. First time in her life doing that? No, no, she's always done it. You know that. But Booster Gold. <laughs> he writes the hell out of Booster Gold. <laughs> I so, really want to see him do Booster Gold. But yeah, so, like... The rebirth came, and they're trying to incorporate all these old things into it, but then they're also peeing on their own foot at the same respect. Yeah. And which leads us all the way to this thing called 5G, which is do something have, Do you that, have any bars? Do you have any bars right now? Do I have any? Yeah. 5G. Can, can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, that, that's what... Obligatory that's, phone reference. It's probably okay, the yes. joke yeah, oh, that the sure. AT&T execs did. was like, yeah. hey, Dan, did you do? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I can hear Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear Yeah, you hear me now? Yeah. Pack your shit, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> he was smart. He's like, what? What? <laughs> <Can't hear you. laughs> I'm still safe. But yeah, so this thing called 5G. He's got cricket. Which virus. is supposed to be another <laughs> reboot. So, so far we've had one year later. Mm. We've had New 52. We've had Rebirth, mm. which is kind of a soft one. And no. now we're going into 5G, which is supposed to kind of reboot the entire line again. And there's been and if a you go lot back to Crisis, stuff. if you have Zero Hour and lots of other, well, it's not know, Dan DiDio. Like, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, well, I'm I was talking just talking about, about just the yeah. you know, reboot of the DC Universe. They've but really, how many of those happened under Dan DiDio's tenure? Exactly, they've like, all hit. They have, boom, 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 yeah. boom, and this isn't working. So let's try it again. This isn't working. Let's try it again. Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm the table. <laughs> I just killed your ear. The box. microphone is sitting <laughs> on the table. How many damn times I have to talk to Bruno about that? <laughs> Uh, yes, the spirit of Bruno is here. There's a reason I'm grabbing my feet whenever I get excited. <laughs> so keep myself from knocking everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, they just keep rebooting it, and it keeps not working the way they want it to. So It's a temporary which, sales boost. Yeah. That's all it ever is. It's a temporary sales boost, and like the 5G kind of led to Scott Snyder even leaving. And Scott Snyder is like the golden boy. Yeah. Him and Jeff Johns, like... They, they are the ones driving most of the sales, and Jeff John's more like going yeah. off and doing his own like yeah, he's prestige things because he's distanced TV himself and he's person. going on a big yeah. TV. So Scott Snyder's basically it. Yeah. And he's also got the role of like hiring new talents and stuff Bendis. like that. Yeah. Bendis. Bendis has come, though. Bendis shall <laughs> rule come. them all. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott Snyder ended up leaving because he got in a huge blowout argument with Dan DiDio and was just like, no, this is stupid. You're going to drive away all of the readers that we've worked hard to build up through Rebirth by yeah. having another fucking just reboot. Yeah. Like, why are we going to reboot this stuff again? And he tried to make Scott Snyder's upcoming Death Metal like fit into 5G. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. like, no, I've got my story. Just let me finish my story. Yeah. And Dan yeah. DiDio wouldn't let him. So apparently Scott Snyder, who's like the one making all the money for DC right now. Yeah. He left. The execs heard it, and it's all like hearsay right now. That's what's happening, but it's pretty solid right now. Is that Dan Dio just got his marching orders and just like get out of here? And now there's a bunch of rumors going around that if 5G fails, then it might be the end of AT and T publishing DC Comics. And it's just believable enough to you know think about and talk about. Yeah. You know it could happen. You know I'm sure that they'll always 
publish something, mm-hmm. if even if it's not a monthly comic. If they, they pare it down just a few of them, and yeah. they kind of build themselves up from there. Because I, on on my desk right now, I've got your review. Have you ever read this? Uh, No. I love this book. It's when we're going through and doing our Chuck Austin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is like kind of giving me all the context for it. This is Bill and Joe's Marvelous Adventure, which kind of talks about their first two years at Marvel. And it's actual interviews from them. They went through systematically and got rid of stuff that wasn't working and replaced them. They start off with maybe like 30 comics and move their way up. Oh, okay. So it's like, why don't you start with something that's a little smaller, see what works, and kind of build up from there and kind of go through it. I love that book so much. Yeah, the Captain America. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean not the Captain oh, America. Oh, the actual book. Okay, but, I uh, just saw the page I was This whole on, book. So. Yeah, no, it, it looks fun. Brings it back to me. But yeah, so it's everything he's doing. Scott Snyder's like, you're going to piss off the retailers. You're going to alienate our customers. Yeah. And I think he's right because I'm starting to read more DC now and if something like that happens, guess where I'm going? Yeah. I'm out again. Yeah, no. Uh, no one wants to go through another reboot that won't matter mm-hmm. you know, in five years because if it makes it to five yeah. years. How long has it been since uh, Rebirth? Like Rebirth? Three? It's been three years. 2016. Yeah. Like the end of 2016 is when it happened. Yeah. And I remember when Rebirth came out, I was uh, laughing with one of my students because she read the comics too, and she knew I quit DC pretty much after 52. I had still Aquaman and a few other mm. things I was picking up. But uh, when they brought out the Rebirth solicit that came with the previews and had you know the catalog, and it was going to be all better because Wally was back, and... I read through that and I felt like someone, a uh, battered woman, you know, from a you know a comedy <laughs> version of that, not a real. I am not comparing myself to You're a battered woman. Betsy Ford. Cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I felt like, oh baby, you say you won't hurt me no more. Okay, I love you. I'll give you one more chance. <laughs> and baby. then he's doing it. Yeah, and here we are. Such a stupid name, but yeah, yeah it, it is like a battered wife syndrome yeah. type of thing where you're like, you're starting to get good. Yeah, you got Benjamin Percy doing an awesome job on Green Arrow. You've got oh God, that was uh, Hawkman right now is amazing. Hawkman, that's remember. Robert Venditti, right? Yes, and then yes. Uh, Brian Hitch was also with him. I haven't yeah. read that, but I it's really want to go back. So and read it. good right now. That's like uh, that Catwoman is amazing. Yeah, and I know yeah. you you don't like Bendis, but I do like his. Superman yeah, I mean stuff. he's not. I for did take me. a break from him. Yeah, because it seemed like they started doing like a Leviathan and everything. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna wait until I have the time and energy to devote to it. But I yeah. really did like where I left off. Left off. And I'm gonna go back and read them. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's got a really solid thing going, and I trust him Bendis. Yeah, see, and that's fine. You know, he's a lot of people's cup of tea. He's not mine, so, mm-hmm. you know. And he's I, bringing a lot of cool creators, like Matt Fraction's back over doing Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really and, fun. And uh, isn't Rucka doing Lois Lane right now? Yeah. So I, I do want to read that, I know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Greg Rucker writing crime, you know, investigations. Female by... lead Greg Rucker. Yeah, like okay. the best Greg Rucker. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Queen and Country. So, once again, as much as I'm talking about, no, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm sure as soon as they start announcing what it is, there'll be things that I'm like, well, maybe that, maybe this version, and, you know, I'll go yeah. back. and. So we'll, we'll see what happens with 5G. I still don't quite understand what it is, or even if it is going to happen, because there haven't even been any solicits for the free comic book day, no. because that was supposed to be a thing that kicked it off. Yeah. They're... I'm, I'm sure they're doubling back big time. Jim Lee's the only one up there right now. <laughs> Jim Lee's not a story guy. He's an art guy. Yeah. Ooh. So it, it, it's... We're going we're gonna to see how that goes with him as publisher solely. But uh, before we leave off uh, and put the final capper on this one, uh, mm. we're going to 
tell you guys what we feel about Dan DiDio, good or bad, yeah. um, out of Capper. But there are a couple other things that I want to cover right here. Um, some of the big uh, controversies that happened during his run. Right. Uh, one of them was Eddie Berganza, mm. the uh, senior vice, senior president, like, I think it was like the senior editor, like lots of I don't remember sexual harassment stuff. Title, but yeah. yeah, I think it was he was a senior position. Yeah, yeah. there's like a lot of sexual harassment stuff came out in 2010. Yeah, 2012 there was a couple more, and then in 2013 or 15 he like straight up sexually assaulted somebody, and no. then after like enough people bitched, they got him out of there. But I mean, this is something that you know happened everywhere. This is the yeah. whole Me Too movement catching up with you know the assholes that've been doing this because you saw it. You know what is it? The guy who ran Pixar. Is out of a job. John Lasseter? Yeah. Oh, he was just a creep. Yeah. But, I mean, you yeah. know, if it can get to him. Yeah. Uh, one of the positive things I like, have you ever read Dan DiDio's writing? Um, some of his comics are actually very enjoyable. He's a good writer. They're yeah. fun. He likes the characters. You can tell he has real affection for them. Now, I've read his Metal Men from Wednesday Comics. I've read his OMAC Project. I didn't mm-hmm. read his Outsiders, but I kind of want to go back and read his Outsiders. I haven't read that either. But... He brings a very fun Silver Age energy yes. to it. Very throwbacky. Yes. Which is in like stark contrast to everything he wants his line to be. Yeah. So it's like Dan is kind of hoarding all the fun for himself. I've always wondered about that because he does like those classic obscure characters. And then, you know, he doesn't... He goes out of his way, it seems like, as the uh, editor or, you know, whatever. What was his official position? Was he editor-in-chief? Co-publisher. Co-publisher, yes. Editor-in-chief yeah. is Bob Harris. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he goes out of his way to make a streamlined, newer version while he goes and plays and, yeah. like, hey, guys, He's like, guys, O-Man? do what I say, not what I do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, giggling the whole time he's mm-hmm. writing this stuff, which you should be. It should be fun. Yes, it should not yeah. be a stressful, hard thing. You had fun. I liked reading them. Yeah. But it gets to a point where it's just like your whole line is suffering. Like, did you see the sales figures for DC? Like, it's because of that battered wife syndrome. It's yeah. like you never know when the next punch is going to come. Sometimes you just got to get out of there, you know? Um, Convergence was kind of a. Uh, We're going to cover that someday. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I bought all of those. I did bought you? Every single one. I've spent like $200 buying all of those because I thought these are the last DC books I'll ever buy. Yeah. (laughs) 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 This is my, this is my uh, cold turkey tax. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's my last pack of cigarettes. I swear. Done. It's the last time I shoot heroin in my toes. <laughs> it's my last cart. It's my last toe. That's why I'm going to start on my fingers now. <laughs> why did I do the thing first? <laughs> but yeah, so, and really like, but before we leave, like, I kind of want to go in, like, what is one of the most positive things? Because we talked about a lot of, like, good and bad, but, like, let's go ahead and talk about I one of the positive things. I think the positive is that, you know, he brings a lot of energy with him. I've Ooh, um, His interviews are awesome. Yeah, I've never met the man. I've been at cons that he's been at, but I've never had the opportunity to, you know, meet him. But everything I've ever seen, like you said, with interviews, he's just on. He yeah. is, he loves this stuff. Mm-hmm. He loves working for this company and loves working with these characters. Even if I don't like what he's doing, I can appreciate how much he cares. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Gail Simone <laughs> said on Twitter that she's had huge knockout arguments with him, but she respects the hell out of him and his passion for yeah, which is you know, these characters. surprising because I thought Gail would be one of the first ones to tear into him. Right, right. Because she, of what 
she made him do he made her do with Batman. Yeah, yeah. Batgirl. Batgirl. Yeah. Or just taking, like made it you know, basically Oracle. a horror snuff film. <sighs> and then every time she wanted to do something fun, she got fired. Yeah. Through email. Yeah. She got rehired because she bitched about it online and everyone was just like rightfully so. Like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, why are you firing? And they're like, How come you're not doing a fun Batgirl? Because like cause editorial won't let me. Yeah. And then as soon as she ends her like contract, then they have like the fun reboot. The happy Batgirl. you know Brendan it, Fletcher. It, it, she's a teenager again, kinda sorta, somehow. Yeah. yeah. Which which is like, why would you do that to Gail? Like just let her do what she wants to do. Yeah, she's so yeah. good. Could have been fun, but yeah. But yeah, so it's like the personality that he brings and the fact that Gail Simone went to bat for him. Yeah. And saying like there's a lot of stuff that he does that he doesn't take credit for, so he's like pretty selfless in that way. Like he yeah. he's there and to he's catch fallen the on shit. the sword for and he's other falls things. on the sword. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty admirable thing. Yeah, he owns his mistakes. So the and biggest thing for me, mm-hmm. the thing that I love most about it is uh during his tenure there was a real sense of uh, was it experimentation? Oh yeah, with DC. Oh definitely. We're, we already talked about Wednesday Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the Black Label coming out. He's also consolidating some things now. He closed down Vertigo, oh, which yeah. you know, I think Vertigo was already dead. it was already on its way out. But yeah. there was a way to revamp that that just wasn't there. Right. You know, yeah. it just like. They kind of moved it into like the bat penis mm-hmm. era, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is another thing that Dan Dio's going to be known for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The great bat penis of uh, 20, 2018 or 2019. Uh, uh, 18, I think. Uh, no, it was 19. 19. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh, But the thing that sticks out to me the most is Hanna Barbera Beyond. Oh, yeah. I love this imprint and most mm. importantly and I, I read this one first and I get mm. it in my but, our mm-hmm. mutual friend Tom yes. and Tom pass it on to you yes yes The Flintstones by oh Mark Russell God. and Steve Pugh one of my favorite I read books. that and I was just like this is amazing this is I, I don't care about the Flintstones that they were before this yeah. is the only Flintstones that exist to me right now yeah it's beautiful it's such brilliant satire mm. and then he followed that up with Snagglepuss as a gay playwright Tennessee Williams style <laughs> which you haven't read that yet. I haven't read that one yet it's really good too alright I mean you know now I'm on board because I was yeah. so resistant to that whole mm. you know Scooby Scooby Doo looks good. weird and, but, but Keith Giffen yeah, and Dave Mateus I, I know are, I know you but, gotta trust oh yeah I, I'm, I, I'm it looks I, weird been, it I've looks been hurt weird so many times yeah <laughs> But all right. It's strange that, <laughs> you like... You say he'll love me good? Okay. Yeah. And it was so good. Yeah. Like, I I love that. And also, the like, the Looney Tunes crossovers. I know you read those, and you really like Yeah, them. those are I read the Tom King, uh, Batman, and Elmer Fudd, which I, I loved. And he yeah. had a call back to that in Nightmares, which yeah. was awesome. The Lex Luthor um, Porky Pig is a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I did... Mark Russell did that one, too. That's the guy who uh, did Flintstones. No, okay. Let's say Mark so, Russell... Wonder Twins is awesome too. Oh, I haven't read that yet. About that's that. a Bendis's Wonder. Co- oh, you wouldn't like it. Oh, Bendis. Bendis uh, yeah, all right, never guy. mind. Yeah, I, I can't even look at it. Oh, it's, uh, it's Mark Russell. He tapped Mark Russell to redo. Okay, the Wonder all right. Twins. So okay. that's like Bendis has his own little clique. Okay, yeah. So, is that like in the Young Justice? Yeah, in the thing, Young Justice, you know? Naomi. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, well, one other thing I love about yeah. it, he let Brian Bendis do his thing, and now my copy of Naomi that I just bought. Yeah. It's like a hundred bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like like I have real comics. If I, I'm never going to. Yeah. A link to the person. eBay page in yeah. the show notes. <laughs> Buy my Naomi. I will sign it. <laughs> yeah. Hell, I'll sign it. <laughs> so in the end, uh, are you excited? I'm excited. Yes, I want something to happen with this Going forward, I want to see that someone at AT&T slash DC slash Warner Brothers slash whatever the, this company is now has an idea 
And it's not the one that we're scared of where publishing could be going away. Uh, you know, where monthly comics are not going to be the norm anymore. But if they're not, maybe they have a plan to keep these characters active and their stories alive. Yeah, as, as much fun as it would be to see where this goes and see how badly it will fail, because it, it will. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way this will not fail. The 5G, There's this is like complete cannon fodder for Oh God, It Burns. Yeah. If not by the content, because we haven't even seen that yet, but the, the very concept of it is just something that is just so off-putting to me. I am so happy that Dan DiDio is no longer with the company, if mm-hmm. only because, like you said, there needs to be fresh blood. Yeah. How many times has he been responsible for reboots of the entire line? And DC Comics is not known for being too precious with continuity, but you had one crisis before Infinite Crisis. Yeah. Then after that, you had, uh, on a uh, countdown to yeah, you had one crisis over Infinite yeah, Crisis. Yeah. And that was fine. You had a one year later, it kind of tidied some things up. Then you did New 52, and it's like, what the hell? And now you rebirth, you're like, okay, so you're double, you're going back on a lot of things that you did because mm-hmm. you realized you did it wrong. Mm-hmm. He's doing 5G to kind of reset everything. It's we just got like, two Wally Wills. No one cares now. <laughs> yeah. No one cares. So I couldn't be less enthusiastic for the state of DC Comics. But with this news, I'm like, I just want to see what the next moves are to see what happens. Um,. So that being said, guys, we're, we've wrapped up our Woo-hoo! monumental... I, didn't, I lost track of the oh, time. Oh, I have no idea. What day is it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sticking around with us. Um, uh, our next episode that I will be publishing, we're going to take a break from uh, Miller time when we do uh, Frank Miller's Batman. And I am going to be pushing through um, an old podcast that we tried uh, with Bruno uh, back in the day, kind of like inspired by the fact that uh, Dan DiDio's editorial edict was uh, superheroes can't have fun or lead fun <laughs> lives or happy lives. We're going to go for Cry for Justice. It's already in the can. Mm. We just need somewhere to put it, and this is like the best place to put it. And also we're going to follow that up with uh, Rise of Arsenal. But be on the lookout because Jason and I, we're going to be talking about another one because he's our guest on. Uh, and this is actually planned before DC <laughs> Dan DiDio. <laughs> Uh, we're going to slot this in somewhere, maybe in like a week or two. Uh, we're going to be talking about a classic oh, the Iron s- Man story crossover. The Seminole Force Works crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time for the uh, uh, Iron Man 2020 Force yes, Works yes. resurgence. Oh, this is timely. Uh, yes. This is timely in a way. <laughs> yes. The hands of the Mandarin. The hands of the Mandarin. So if you guys it's not can get racist at all, copies, not racist uh, at all. What are the you issues that it runs through? Oh, okay. So we've got it begins officially in Force Works number six and continues in seven. Um, War Machine. Everybody has all those copies. I know numbers nine and ten, and the original, the OG Iron Man run three eleven and three twelve, with also Prelude in Iron Man uh, three ten and, and War, War Machine, Machine eight. War Machine number eight, which yes. is. A better story. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Bet, bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, guys, I want you to go ahead and uh, keep it crispy, Bernie bros. Uh, we've got... <laughs> <laughs> it's something else to hear it in person, guys. It really is. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with new ones. I can't just say Felice Navidad. <laughs> and you making that face is not helping, Jason. <laughs> we'll be back next time uh, with Bruno for uh, uh, Cry for Justice, Rise of Arsenal. Um, so be on the lookout of that and after that we're going straight back to Miller time picking up with uh, the Dark Knight Strikes again in probably like two weeks or so um, but in the meantime uh, my, I've been Nick I've been Jason 
And I want you to go ahead and listen out for our special uh, guest choice coming on up Ooh. down the pipeline where we cover the hands of the Mandarin. Oh, God, it burns.